the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, it's a Wednesday afternoon on the heels of the Ides of March, and my goodness, there's so much going on. I'm not sure whether to start at the top of the stack and work my way down the bottom and work my way up, or maybe in the middle. (laughs) Just go from either side. In any event, delighted to have you join us on this edition of Lifeline, and uh, let's, uh, let's just dig right in, shall we? San Francisco, hometown for many of us, city by the Golden Gate, a town that certainly takes pride in its values, strong ones, even if they're quite frequently, quite obviously, self-destructive values. In a city where recently we held a school board recall election and successfully recalled three members that had been focused on renaming renaming some of the uh, schools across the district, 15 all told, instead of focusing on, oh, I don't know, things like the impact of the COVID policy on on education and uh, children within the district, you probably... um, Probably won't altogether be surprised to find out that uh, San Francisco, in standing up for its quote-unquote values, is um, is quickly painting itself into quite the economic corner. As my first guest tonight explains, he, of course, is senior fellow at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, where he also serves as a dean there at the Davenport Institute, Pepperdine University. Pete Peterson, as always, Pete, great to have you on the program. Great to be back with you. Pete, you know, uh, it's one thing to say we're going to boycott, we're going to draw a line in the sand, we're going to make our statement. But when you're a city the size of San Francisco that has $100 million a year budgets and uh, is hopefully trying to manage limited resources as best as possible, when the list of states with whom you refuse to do business, buy goods and services from – grows to such a shocking proportion that it now nearly accounts for two-thirds of the entire United States, one has to begin wondering, uh, well, you know the old adage, the uh, the lunatics seem to be in charge of the asylum. Tell us what's going on in our beloved city and why they seem to think that uh, shutting themselves down to um, being able to take competitive bids from nearly two-thirds of the states of the 50 in the Union is good business in their mind? Well, I think this really is generated by public officials, political leaders that have next to no private sector experience. I think when you look at many, particularly in the Democratic Party and particularly here in California, when you look at their biographies and backgrounds, in many instances, they've come up through the political system. And that old phrase, have you signed... Uh, the front of a check and not just the back of a check, very rarely will you see political leaders, and I'm sure this is true in San Francisco, 
very rarely will you see political leaders who've actually signed the front of a paycheck. And with that, the lack of awareness as to market forces and the impact of decisions and boycotts like the ones that you're describing are ones that they feel that they've never had to deal with themselves. And so they feel perfectly free to virtue signal in making decisions uh, of the scope and scale of the kind that you're describing that hurt mostly small businesses uh, in the regions in which they're made to put into effect. Some of this, of course, is run the gambit between the perception that, well, certain states have passed regulations or laws that are either perceived to be uh, uh, anti-abortion, voter suppression, anti-LGBT, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so while that might have started, albeit perhaps ill-advised, but nevertheless well-intended, uh, you know, the, the problem when you start to play politics like this is it's easy to find something you disagree with in probably every state of the union. So then what, what, what becomes of the ability of San Francisco to put competing bids out for things like new trains for its BART cars or uh, right. parts that are required to keep the trolley cars up and running or, or any other uh, myriad of issues where San Francisco should be, as a government entity, seeking competitive bids from multiple sources and locations than to find out, well, wait a minute, the list of where we can buy them from is, lo- is shorter or longer than the list of where or shorter than the list of where we can't. <laughs> No, that's right, and it's futility in two ways. One, as the purchasing officials from the city and county of San Francisco have already said, this is going to make the products that they buy with taxpayer dollars more expensive than otherwise that they would be. You've reduced the competition uh, for these goods and services that they procure, uh, making it more expensive on the taxpayer. At the same time, these decisions around boycotts are being applied to states and state-level decisions that the individual businesses within those states, whether they are a a company that's building trolley cars or uh, printing products, may or may not necessarily disagree with the the state-level decisions that are being made. And so small businesses, once again, are being held accountable for the decisions of state governments. It, it you know I, I would say that it's it's unconscionable and shocking but the, but the reality is coming from San Francisco perhaps not altogether surprising but then it leads to the the really important question and that is that you know as as clearly San Franciscans uh, either wittingly or otherwise are paying and potentially going to continue to pay significantly more for the goods and services that they must naturally obtain from outside of the forty nine square miles that comprises the city of San Francisco, uh, you know, at, at what point do the the taxpayers and citizens and residents of the city stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, it, it, it's one thing to stand up for values, but, uh, you know, th- th- this can get pretty out of hand pretty quickly, as apparently it has. It has, and that's why the recent school board elections and the recalls really sent shockwaves, not not just across the Bay Area in Northern California, but really across the country. It showed that voters, when they get the chance to make decisions on these issues, now let's remember these boycotts are being, uh, these decisions are being made by elected officials and administrative staff. In the end, the elected officials are going to have to stand for election on these issues, and at least the voters in the school board races have shown a willingness to really upend the politics as usual. 
Yeah, and you know that that's that's a well put uh, observation, uh, Pete. And that is that while somebody on the state level, like our governor, might have escaped uh, the power of the recall. Uh, the recent school board recall, I think, demonstrative of the fact that they shouldn't get too overly confident, particularly as now we're entering into this uh, period of time with such significant degrees of inflation. We'd enjoyed, you know, an average of two, two and a half percent per annum for well over a decade, decade and a half. Now suddenly it seems like 1980 all over again. And uh, this could be this could wind up being extremely painful for the city of San Francisco. Absolutely right. And when you do get into pocketbook issues, those are ones that cut across uh, political ideology. And you can very well imagine an instance where issues like this, where you've gone so far beyond the pale to virtue signal on these issues that will, that do involve the spending of taxpayer dollars, uh, that they, that will have political implications in the same way that the recent school board uh, election and recall had as well. Many of these issues, of course, to the heart of very ill-conceived public policy, uh, which suggests that uh, the people that are crafting the public policy in San Francisco, as you suggest, have never had to sign the front side of a paycheck and and perhaps have never really taken the time to, to learn what it means to manage a city the size of San Francisco. Absolutely right, and that's why the School of Public Policy is really about preparing leaders that understand the importance of these basic free market economic principles. In the end, we are a democratic capitalist system, and not only in the spending of taxpayer dollars, but policies that support and attract the development of businesses, we're certainly seeing the problems with those policies here in California and certainly in the Bay Area. But again, we're also seeing uh, the political implications of that in states like uh, even Virginia, um, and certainly with this recall election as well. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, uh, let's stay focused on some of the insanity in our uh, dear Golden State for the moment, shall we? There's two assembly bills that um, you need to be aware of. One of them I I find uh, a bit ironic that it's Assembly Bill 1666. That will be Assembly Bill 1666. I'll leave the uh, pointed (laughs) irony to you to decide. Um, This is, of course, a ill-conceived response here in California to many of the states, including Texas, that have passed strict pro-life laws. And uh, now we're trying to create a state here in California that will become a haven for abortionists who are attempting to escape malpractice lawsuits, essentially a law to help doctors and nurses break the law. Let's get more. Dean Broyles joins us. Dean is a constitutional lawyer and the president of the National Center for Law and Policy. And uh, Dean, I've seen some Lulus come to the table here in California over uh, many decades, but uh, AB 1666 is certainly one to take the cake. Tell us more. Well, it's great to be with you. And, um, yeah, it was, it's a surrealistic experience testifying in the, in the state assembly or the Senate because it's, California really wants to see itself as a 
state or nation unto itself that can do whatever it wants. And the two primary problems that I saw with the bill were, um, first of all, it's unconstitutional on its face because it violates the full faith and credit um, credit clause, um, which is Article 4, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution. It doesn't come up a lot, in, it, it, but what it does, basically what it says is you're supposed to give one state has to give respect and comedy, what we call comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y, to another state's uh, legal judgments in their courts and also to another state's laws. And California apparently loves um, killing babies so much and wants to protect that quote-unquote right so much that it decided to tell the rest of the country what it, what it can do with it, its laws well, what California does is it says um, we're going to ignore uh, other laws like heartbeat laws in, Cali- in uh, Texas and other states, and uh, we're, we're not going to respect or acknowledge your laws in violation of um, the full faith and credit clause, but we're also going to probably, more importantly, ignore your judgments. So if a California abortionist or Planned Parenthood uh, works in Texas but has assets here in California, um, Normally, the California courts would have to enforce a judgment in California against assets in the state. But they're, what they're trying to do is create a, um, what I call a get-out-of-jail-free card for civil liability um, for abortionists who practice in other states that have assets in California. So it's, a, it's an offensive to the Constitution. But even more importantly, I think um, it's going to harm women because... Um, abortionists who, who are negligent or reckless in other states in performing abortions, um, and if they have a medical malpractice verdict against them in, in Texas or Oklahoma or in Mississippi, uh, California courts are ordered by this law to not enforce um, those judgments. And so it not only uh, ironically harms women, but it's unconstitutional on its face. And, and yet, even after I warned the the Judiciary Committee of that, the problem that, you know, this is a law that's going to quickly go through the Supreme Court and you'll lose and you're going to cost California taxpayers millions of dollars defending the indefensible, they still uh, pass the law out of committee. Yeah. So so once again, you know, uh, uh, very short-sighted and not, not fully acknowledging the fact that this is a double-edged sword that cuts both ways. And they think they're going to slice in one direction, not realizing that... Uh, you know, there there's an opportunity here for other states in different forms and fashions to uh, to respond in kind. But, you know, uh, once again, far be it from us here in California uh, to do the right thing. Instead, we'll let uh, doctors and nurses potentially dodge civil and potential criminal liability as well because we're just bent on creating this uh, the safe haven, which uh, eventually is going to really, I think, uh, come home to uh, the Bidus and the uh, collective keister. A- another bill that I want to have you touch on quickly, Dean, if you might, Senate sure. Bill 923. Uh, now th- th- this is another one that's an absolute irony. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that there are people that suffer from gender dysphoria that need uh, thoughtful and careful help and counseling to to work through their, their issues, all for that. But the notion that somehow now, as in the introduction of SB 923 by our own San Francisco Senator Scott Weiner, is is one that would 
essentially what? This is, this is forcing people. It's one thing to try to limit freedom of speech. This is forcing people to engage in a certain type of speech that even perhaps a person who says, uh, look, I'm, you know, I believe in science and I'm not going to use uh, pronouns that are not consistent with the uh, scientific reality here, that any such individual that is in the, the health care field here in California, I understand, would essentially now, and this also includes medical and health insurance personnel, uh, to if they don't play ball, they have to be uh, forced to, to attend cultural competency training classes. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I wasn't as prepped to talk about this bill, but I'm, I am familiar with it, and I've worked a lot in the legal arena with the ex-gay community and former transgender individuals, and um, they are the most marginalized, uh, hated people around. And, and there are many, many people who have come out of the homosexual and transgender uh, lifestyle and background uh, successfully. So I just want to say that for the record because that's n- something the media never talks about. But um, to force <clears throat> to force people to affirm things that biologically uh, are not true and cannot be true, um, you know, you don't, you never want to disrespect an individual or harm an individual intentionally. And so I, I understand what they're trying to do here. But to force people to say things that aren't true is, is extremely tyrannical and Orwellian. And it's not only a, a speech violation by the state of California, but it's a, it's really a, a thought violation. It, 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 it starts, um, manipulating people's right of belief and right of conscience to say that the emperor has clothes when the emperor has no clothes, for example. So, um, it's, you know, California, <clears throat> The attitude displayed by this bill and, the, and, and, and uh, AB 1666 is really one that California really sees itself as the vanguard of far-left liberal ideas. And, um, and that, to that extent, the, the, the comments on the Judiciary Committee yesterday were basically, hey, we're California, we're independent, we, um, we're independent even from other states and, and to extent the United States. and we're going to do what we think is right and force it on everyone, even if it's blatantly unconstitutional and violates people's civil rights. And that's exactly um, what this bill by Scott Wiener attempts to do. Many of Scott Wiener's ideas have been shot down or not passed through the legislature or have been uh, declared unconstitutional, and I'm expecting that this one will be too if it passes. Yeah, once again, no surprise there. You know, that Constitution, uh, certainly not the law of the land, just a recommendation in the minds of some. Dean Broyles, constitutional attorney, president of the National Center for Law and Policy. Uh, Dean, we appreciate so much the time and the insights today. I want to, uh, to move on you. to another topic, if I might, uh, before we get too far afield. My engineer? Hello? Are we there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Apparently not. I want to turn to another topic, if I can, real quickly before we get to the break. Um, we've watched over the last nearly two weeks now the attacking of hospitals in the Ukraine, schools, bread lines. A movie theater was recently attacked that was housing refugees. The movie theater had clearly marked in Russian lettering on the front and rear that there were children 
in the building. Uh, that didn't matter, apparently, to uh, Putin's war criminals as they went ahead and attacked the building anyway. Um, I think it's shameful that there are American citizens who are providing cover for Vladimir Putin under what has been taking place. And um, maybe the best lesson in putting this in perspective can be learned from a statement that's been released by the highest profile leader of the Russian Evangelical Alliance, who in a public letter... Well, let me just read a couple of highlights for you, if I might. As the General Secretary of the Russian Evangelical Alliance, I mourn what my country has done in its recent military invasion of another sovereign country, Ukraine. For me, as for many other Christians, the military invasion was a shock. In the worst-case scenario, I could not imagine what is now being observed in Ukraine. Two peoples so closely related to one another, many of whom are deeply devoted to the Christian faith, are now in a fierce battle. All these events cause me deep sour, uh, sorrow, bitterness, and regret for the decisions taken by the leadership of Russia, my country, and great compassion for those suffering as, <coughs> as a result of this decision. Today, as a citizen of Russia and as General Secretary of the Russian Evangelical Alliance, I apologize to all those who have suffered, lost loved ones and relatives, or lost their place of residence as a result of this military conflict. My prayer is that you will find strength from the Lord to extend your hand of solidarity and forgiveness so we can live as the people of God to our world. May our Heavenly Father help us all. And it is signed Vitaly Loshenko, who, as I mentioned at the start, is the, um, the president of the Russian Evangelical Alliance. There have been dozens of Orthodox scholars and clerics who have rejected the Russian propaganda that we've seen in recent days, even sadly it's been voluntarily repeated on our own U.S. media and news services. And I think we need to be mindful that differences between peoples can be talked out. In this case here, Mr. Putin moved from the talking to the bombing and let it be clear that uh, he's not a nice guy. He's not a man trying to protect his country. He is a violent, murderous thug. And we should call him for what he is. I cannot imagine any news media outlet during the height of World War II suggesting that somehow Adolf Hitler was just misunderstood, or that Benito Mussolini was simply interested in bringing pasta to North Africa any more than Tojo was interested in simply gaining access to cheap steel and aluminum. We need to call murderous acts for what they are, murderous acts. And we should all be mindful that many of the people that are being bombed out of their homes and have been killed and murdered by Putin also happen to be Bible-believing Christians. Long-term listeners to this program may recall we 
conducted not one but two campaigns to provide Bibles for the persecuted church in both Russia and the Ukraine. I've traveled there. I've met with Christian leaders in Kiev. Many of these are very fine, very wonderful people. To suggest somehow that Putin is simply trying to eradicate a neo-Nazi element from Ukraine and therefore this war is justified makes about as much sense as suggesting that the neo-Nazi movement that exists to this very day in Germany is one that ought to be put down by France by attacking Germans. No one would ever suggest that that was a righteous, appropriate, or proper act. So what makes us think this cover story by Vladimir Putin is any different? He's not smart. He's not crafty. He's not wise. He's not brilliant. He's evil. And he's a murderous thug. As Christians, when we see evil, we need to call it for what it is, pure evil. And what Putin is doing in Ukraine today is nothing short of evil. And anyone that tries to characterize it as anything else but evil, I would suggest we seriously question not only their motivation, but question what side of righteousness they're really on. 535. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Interesting to note, those of you that do business with Citibank, that they have just announced today that they are going to pay for travel expenses and hotel accommodations for any of their staff across the country seeking an abortion and having to go to another state to procure it because, say, for example, they are a resident of the state of Texas. That maybe change your opinion the next time you swipe your Citibank credit card or go drop money off at the bank there. Uh, let's talk more about this and other issues. Joining me is the Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, Brian Johnston. Brian is the author of the best-selling The Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. He also hosts Life Matters, heard Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. here on KFAX. Uh, Brian, I want to talk a bit about um, the uh, gubernatorial election here. But before we get to that, I want to get your opinion on this announcement by Citibank that is going to offer to provide both airplane travel expenses and hotel accommodations for any of its staff members from states that do not provide abortion so that they can come to states that do. Your thoughts? Yeah, Craig, I think it's it's pretty obvious what we're looking at, and it's a centralized form of government that's recruited business to support the ideology of that central statist authority. And this is what historically we have known as fascism. That's what Hitler did. Hitler was a national socialist, so he was a socialist, just to underscore that. But he focused just on his nation, and then he used race as the animating motive. We see that right now, but something else that Hitler did and that our current government is doing is forcing, in order for that private business to be protected by the government, 
in order to get goodies from the government and to be smiled on, that private business is being asked to now reinforce the policies of a statist centralized government. And in this case, a government which is not respecting human life, and we have to recognize that. Again, if Christians don't recognize that, there will be very few others who will. But this new form of government that the Democrat Party is employing, uh, again, I, I was a Democrat at one time. Ronald Reagan was a Democrat at one time. This is not the Democrat Party that your parents knew, or that John F. Kennedy, or that Harry Truman. This is a radicalized political institution that seeks to control the state absolutely, and businesses, if they want to be benefited by the state, will comport with their ideology. And that's crucial. So it's critically important to recognize the moment that we're in. This is spiritual warfare of the utmost, and it's taking place in the realm of ideas and in the realm of laws. Christians must recognize this battle. And I have to tell you, if I'm very proud of, of President Zelensky, because he is standing against incredible oppression, but he is calling on his people to stop this oppression, to fight those tanks. There are spiritual tanks in your, at your local schools. Your children are being taught great evil, and it's being forced on them. Not just to mention the killing of human beings through abortion and minors being told to get secret abortions, but there is dramatic centralized state control. And unless Christians see this battle and stand up, we won't win. There's no way of winning this. No, and of course, as you point out, one of the areas, one of the arenas that are perhaps the, 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 the where the biggest battle lines are drawn is at the ballot box. Now, toward that end, yeah. we're going to be coming up on a, a midterm election here, not only uh, an opportunity to uh, um, make changes at the federal level but uh, within Congress, but also to make changes at the state level. California's governor is going to be up for re-election this November. Uh, undoubtedly, Gavin Newsom has had a renewed sense of confidence after successfully beating back the uh, the recall effort in 2020. Um, what's the field look like in terms of challengers? Um, are, are we going to anticipate uh, maybe John Cox showing up again on the Republican side? I, I know, and this is now a matter of public record, uh, that my uh, my colleague Larry Elder has announced that he does not intend to uh, to run for governor again in the uh, the election here in November, though he may have designs on something else, something bigger, a little bit later on. We won't go into details at this moment, but in, <laughs> in terms of your well, understanding we, of the field, what does it look like? <laughs> well, here's the thing: we know that Larry Elder is a white supremacist, according to the media. <laughs> so that's that's rather amazing, and that's all we have to discern. We have to be willing to see the spiritual side of this battle. Right now, I errantly, last week on the 11th was the final day to file if you're running for a state office. And I sent out the information I had. The problem is I was taken from the Secretary of State, and they still hadn't figured it all out. I expect 
either at the end of today or tomorrow, we're going to know all the names of people who are running. Uh, I don't believe John Cox is running. I know John. I, I don't think he's going to be running. But there are others, and I have to tell you what we're going up against, though. And I'm only tongue-in-cheek talking about how they treated Larry Elder. The intellectual dishonesty and the disrespect for your values is very, very real. It's just as real as Mr. Putin's disrespect for the Ukrainian people. It's just as real. They're destroying your state. They're rolling through with your ideology in your schools, with your children. Human life is cheap. It's cheap in the eyes of the contemporary Democrat Party. If you don't recognize that, then you're not living. I know we're nonpartisan. I'd like to be nonpartisan. If I lived in Germany, uh, I, I would like to have been nonpartisan, but you still have to recognize what that National Socialist Party did in Germany. And we are seeing a very specific ideology, and if Christians don't recognize it, it your recognition could come too late. And so this next election, we're going to find out who is running. The Democrats have a huge advantage, not only with money. Uh, the governor has $25 million already tucked away. And he's got those regular supporters. We talked, obviously, Citicorp is likely going to support him, right? Because they're a corporation that wants to do business in California. So you want to do business, you better obey those who run the state. So he's going to have a lot of money. I believe for California, Craig, we need a Zelensky. We need a Zelensky who can cut through and stand in the face of great evil. Cut through and stand and call Californians to stand for their families, for what's right, for self-evident truth. Our nation was founded on facts, on self-evident facts and truth, not on progressive changing of the truth, of redefining human nature. Our nation was founded on God's laws as revealed in nature. We're facing some challenges, to be sure, and I think it's important, even as people say, oh, my goodness, we barely have just gotten through the last election. You guys in March are already talking about the next midterm election. Well, uh, yes, indeed. It's called self-governance. It's called participation in government of, by, and for the people, as um, I think uh, probably best intoned by late President Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address. And, um, you know, those who uh, who fail to participate in this form of self-governance, well, you wind up getting the kind of government that you deserve. And if you are dissatisfied with the government that you have in California or in the state or the, the, um, the nation, rather, well, then it's incumbent upon you to do something about it. Brian Johnston hosts Life Matters, where he unpacks many... Um, life-related issues from cradle to grave every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. We invite you to tune in for that. You can get more information, by the way, online at californiaprolife.org. That's californiaprolife.org. Ten away from six. Love God, serve others, change the world. This serves as the foundation for North Hills Christian School and Preschool located in Vallejo. For over 45 years, North Hills has been partnering with parents throughout the North Bay region, preparing students for college and beyond. 
Small class sizes and a focus on relationship building create an atmosphere of encouragement that supports our rigorous academic program. High school students can earn dual credit through Solano Community College. For busy parents, we offer before and after school care options and transportation for specific areas. The preschool is state licensed and the K-12 school is dual accredited by ACSI and WASC. We are now enrolling for the 2022-2023 school year. Doesn't your child deserve an education that's guided by a strong faith in Jesus Christ and built on a solid academic base? Apply now at north-hills.org. That's north-hills.org. Hi there, Jordan Michaels here. Have you ever noticed in buying new towels that they can look beautiful, be soft and fluffy, but they're hardly absorbent? And isn't that the whole purpose of a towel? You know, I think we'd all agree we want a towel that looks good and feels great and works. Well, my pillow inventor, Mike Lindell, found the best towel company right here in America that gives everything you want in a good towel. It's made with good old US of A cotton. Right now, you can get such a great deal on these MyPillow towels. I have a set of my own, so I know firsthand how great they are. Six-piece set includes two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths for what was normally $109.99. And now, get this, $39.99. When you get out of the shower and dry off, boy, this is a towel you're going to want to reach for. Go to MyPillow.com, click the new radio listener specials, enter the promo code KFAX or call... 800-479-1790. MyPillow.com. Use that promo code KFAX. The young lady from the rescue delivered happy, and I panicked. She was missing hair, stinky, scabby, and I thought, what did I get us into? The cause of his issue was poor nutrition. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to give him the nutrition he needed. But I have a vet that I trust, and she recommended Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I ordered the first 90-day supply, and within a couple weeks, his skin started clearing up. He didn't smell. He had more energy. He just had a glow and a bounce about him. We've been using Dinovite for the last year, and Happy the Rescue Dog is Happy the Healthy Dog. I tell all my friends who have rescues to give their dog a chance at a new start with Dinovite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. It's going to pay off for you and your dog for years to come. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Many of the, well, let me retract that. All of the issues that we have discussed on today's program are all matters, quite frankly, that necessitate not only action, as Brian Johnston was suggesting before the break, but um, also require believers to be in prayer. Um, We are facing some perilous times here, uh, not only in terms of what's going on in the state of California, the ongoing impact of COVID-19, which uh, seems to be easing, and yet we're now beginning to hear reports of maybe yet another variation, another the strain poking its way through. And, and you know, let me, let me underscore, that's no laughing matter either. Uh, if you don't know anybody who's died from COVID, you consider yourself lucky. And if you've never met someone who has survived COVID, um, I just spent some time with a family member who did... Uh, Two solid months in the hospital, three solid weeks of that on a ventilator, and then required oxygen at home for a very protracted 
recovery period of time, and there are still questions lingering about long-term health impacts of this. So it's no laughing matter. Then you add to that the struggles of what's going on with the economy, and then most recently and horrifically, the war in Europe, biggest war since the outbreak of World War II on the continent, by the way. Thank you, Mr. Putin. These are all matters which require not only for us to be fully engaged, but um, fully engaged in prayer before the throne of grace as well. Marlo Tucker is with us, director of the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. Marlo, when you and I visit, we're typically talking about some bill or measure making its way through the California state legislature that um, parents and taxpayers and believers in the Bay Area need to be uh, uh, responding to and contacting their member of the uh, the appropriate house for action on or uh, to not vote for some a bit of ridiculousness. Um, today, though, perhaps an even bigger and broader perspective that this is really not just a matter of a church being called together to be um, in, engaged in, uh, in, in, in active participation in the matter of self-governance, but also to be um, before the throne of grace. And uh, perhaps quick to point out, it's not one or the other, but it's really both, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, what's so wonderful about prayer is that we know that the battle is not about flesh and blood, but about powers and principalities. Um, and so coming to the throne of prayer is exactly what we need and during this time. But I want to uh, thank you, Craig, first of all, for uh, having me on the show again. I'm so thankful for this opportunity that you give to people of faith to talk about the Bible and to talk about prayer. Um, I don't want to stress enough how important it is and how awesome it is to have an opportunity to talk freely about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God. And actually, the way that it cuts through um, public policy matters by uh, being a guide and a moral compass to our society. And so... um, I'm excited to talk about the power of prayer and action in public policy in general. And um, so just the definition of public policy is a set of systems and laws, rules or guidelines and principles put into place to address the issues and problems in our society. And we, as members of society, have a responsibility to pray for our leaders who set these public policies in our state, in our nation, and in the global realm of things. In fact, it is our civic duty. And, you know, I've talked to many people in ministry, and they've honestly told me, you know, I really don't pray for our leaders. Um, I don't actually know how to pray for our leaders. And, um, you know, they say, sure, I may pray for our church leaders, But that's really the extent of our prayer. And I'm so um, excited to talk to audiences to let them know that there is power in our prayer. There is an amazing result of the Lord working on behalf of our faith. And so it's actually very biblical to pray for our leaders and those who are in authority, whether they are for our values or not. Um, We can pray for our leaders to make laws that revere God. We can pray for our leaders to have godly wisdom and knowledge and understanding. 
we could pray that the Lord will use our leaders to further the kingdom of God. And we can pray um, for their family and that the Lord will surround them with people who will open their eyes with the ears to hear the Word of God. And, of course, with faith, there is prayer in action. And so if you joined uh, Concerned Women for America, you are joining thousands of believers in our nation who are praying and being educated on the issues and taking action to not only pray for our legislators and policy leaders, but um, also participating in uh, communication uh, through phone calls and emails and even meetups through Zoom or at their district offices to really just communicate to our leaders how to represent our biblical values, our constitutional rights. And so CWA's motto is protecting the rights of family through prayer and action. And you may say, I can pray, but I don't know about action. Who has time? And what, where do I start? What do I do? That's not my lane. And um, I love the CWA's founder, uh, Mrs. Beverly LaHaye, and she puts it this way. I really don't believe it is possible to be effective in prayer and not also an activist. For when we have been in the presence of God... We are going to come out doing something. What we do will vary with our own individual calling and gifts. But whatever our action is, we are going to get involved. And prayer isn't hiding from problems. It's getting our marching orders. So I urge all of you, when you pray, that the Lord would guide you with wisdom on how to pray for your leaders, even in local government or your school board members or your mayors or your county supervisors, and how to get involved and to be with other like-minded individuals to get together and to pray for your, um, for your, uh, your basically your city, your state, your nation. And, um, you know, what's better to really take action than to really shift our focus on the very bedrock of our society? That's family. We can start our prayer in action within our own family, because to be lights in a dark world, to live in victory and to prevail in the face of adversity is super important for our children, because if our family is destroyed, then our society will be destroyed. And if you rise up our children in faith and the fruits of the Spirit to be bold and light and victorious, you will see leaders in our society. And so even though the world is dark and there are so many challenges and pain and suffering coming to us, there's also temptations and, um, to re- uh, remove us from and distract us from the love of God. And it can be a very horrible, lonely place. And it, for our children, it's important to set them up in a, an atmosphere of um, love and acceptance, and to show them the Lord's unconditional love in their lives, to be patient. Um, a lot of children may be surrounded by family and their classmates and in sports, but if they are not established in their identity in Christ and in their identity with their family, with their parents, um, there is something where they will look somewhere else for acceptance and for truth. 
And so let's be proactive, not only in our city and state, but also with our family, where we can um, pray for our children, spend time with them. You know, there's a lot of legislation going on that's undermining our parental authority. So we must be vigilant to hold our relationship with our children as sacred and to protect our rights to communicate with our children what is true, what the Bible says is true. And of course, the important mm-hmm. thing, too, is that it's not only a matter of being prayerful in our actions, to, but be engaged. And uh, it, it's really sort of that, that combination of one and the other. It's not either or can be good, but both together are the most effective. Marlo Tucker, director of the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. More information on the web at concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org. 602 from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.